Boy, I had, um, <laughs> during worship and hear the laughter, I had visions in Toronto. Uh, <laughs> Toronto <laughs> No, no, no. No, just, just me being, just me being silly. <laughs> okay, thank you. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, this morning, uh, before I get started, Mark wanted me to give a cancer update, which I, I think is it's appropriate. It's been a while since I've said anything. Um, <clears throat> I just apologize that I don't I I don't know how to make this any shorter. It's going to be it's not going to be long, but I, 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 there's a lot that's going that's been going on. So I wanted you to know to, so you know how to pray. Uh, I think that's important as well. Um, so we pray for our elders, we pray for people in our church, just, this is what we do. So, so let me begin, begin with a cancer update and then I'll get into the word. Um, so most recently you've been made aware that um, because of multiple myeloma, uh, a new tumor was discovered in my lower spine, causing pain in my lower back and numbness in my legs. Now I had a scheduled MRI for a following week to follow up and, and check out to see what was going on, but the pain was just getting too unbearable, and I started to have numbness in my legs, so I asked Dinah to take me to the ER. They did a, an MRI, and they said, we found a, a rather large tumor on your L1. And so the doctor said, we could do radiation treatment, but that's going to take some time. Uh, it may not even work. He said, I would suggest, because of the size of it and because where it's at, that we surgically remove it. And I, I agreed. And so we set up um, surgery for the following Monday. This was a Saturday morning when I went to the ER. So surgery for, for Monday morning. Uh, he wanted to wait so for the whole staff to be back in on Monday morning, so, which I agreed. I, we want the best. We always want the best, right? So, so we agreed uh, Monday morning, do the surgery. And during the surgery, as they were removing parts of the tumor, which he said was even larger than they had originally thought, um, he wound up nicking the spinal cord, and there was a leak. And obviously that's a dangerous situation. So they stopped, they patched it, and about, after about five hours later, they closed up and said, okay, we gotta, we're going to have to monitor this, obviously. You've got you to be flat on your back for at least 24 hours before we can do another assessment. So that's, that's where I was, in bed, on my back. The following day, Tuesday morning, we did another MRI. And, they, and the doctor said, yeah, we didn't get it all. There's still part of the tumor wrapped around your spinal cord. But there's no, more, um, there's no more pain and there's no more numbness in your legs. That's good. I mean, uh, they, could, they ran the tests on my legs and I could move and everything. That was fine. But now there was the pain of the surgery itself, and he said, okay, we can get past that with meds and so forth, and, and then um, we'll start radiation treatment um, to try to diminish that so there's no more damage. So the subsequent MRI proved that we didn't get all the tumor. Radiation treatment was going to begin. We just needed to pass a few tests in order to even be released from the hospital. In other words, I couldn't be on IV meds anymore. Um, I had to be able to sit up and I had to be able to do things like walking up and down a, a step of a, a stair, you know, 
and when you're on your back and atrophy starts to, to set in, your muscles get weak. I was surprised. I couldn't do anything. So I had to you know, pass that phase of it in order to get released from the hospital. Otherwise, they were going to have to ship me to a different hospital that, that was capable of doing radiation treatment because uh, apparently this hospital wasn't. So I was obviously discouraged. Um, by Wednesday afternoon, there wasn't, it just wasn't happening. And I think Dinah had spoken to Mark uh, prior to the prayer meeting and, you know, give him an update and so forth. And um, that evening and the prayer meeting, they prayed. I'll tell you what. I would attest that a miracle via concerted prayer had taken place. Because by Wednesday, after, by Wednesday evening, I said, okay, you know what? I don't want the IV drug anymore. I want to start moving me up into a sitting position. They could only do it 10 degrees at a time, once an hour. I said, I think I'm ready for this. And before, I would just say, I cannot do this. It's too much pain. But after prayer, and I didn't know that Mark had agreed yet. Obviously, you know, if they're going to have a prayer meeting, I'm, I would assume that they would pray, sure. But there was such a sense that God had miraculously said, I'm going to touch you right now. So I felt those prayers. And by Wednesday night, I was off the, the IV meds. I was beginning to be moved up. And by Thursday morning, I was ready to come out of bed. I said, let's, let's get the test in here. The, the occupational therapist came in, the physical therapist. They said, let's evaluate you. I did all, I, like, I'm a champion, I could do this. I sat up and I was like, whoa. <laughs> and then I had to stand up and I could barely stand up, but I did. I was shaky. It was understandable, they knew that. And, but I did, I passed the test. And then so the next phase was I got the doctor's approval. And he came in and we spoke and he said, okay, I'll clear you. And that way we don't have to, you don't have to stay here further. We can move on to the next phase. So, so a miracle indeed. Because I was nowhere near there by Wednesday afternoon. I just wasn't. God is good in how he shows, even through the prayers of the saints, and what, and what I'm sensing and what the Holy Spirit is telling me is that he loves me and he's, he's for me. Now, he could have easily had said, you know what, no, I, I, I'm not ready for you to be out of bed. But he was. He was. But I'm not out of the woods yet. Turns out that the multiple myeloma in my body is not cooperating like we had hoped that it would. It's, it, multiple myeloma is an aggressive plasma or blood cancer that affects the, the, the early cells in your bone marrow. Those cells are called stem cells. And what they do is they, they create other types of cells, red blood cells, white blood cells, so forth. And the cancer affects those cells. So that's the very, very beginning of, of what's going on in your body. And that reduces your bone mass. It reduces the ability to heal. So it's, it's a very serious cancer. It really is. And although my oncologists have seen that the increase in, in the blood disorder numbers are only increasing slightly, my body, for some reason, just reacts poorly to even the small amount of increase. So I'm still having major issues. 
So we're having to move more aggressively towards other levels of treatments to try to stay on top of it. Um, some of the treatments are not yet FDA approved, even though some of them are just amazing treatments that are coming out. But I'm not able to get onto those programs until I've passed all these other levels of treatment prior to being able to, to try those trials, those experimental drugs and so forth. It's just something that the government has tried to regulate so that they, they ensure that, that we're going down the right path and we're not skipping anything. Because if one of the earlier treatments works and then is effective, then you know, why jump to this one over here that may be more risky and so forth? There's just a lot, of, a lot that goes into it. Well, the, the treatments have been so far uh, as successful, as it, not as successful as we like. And, and here is what I've been through so far. There was a level one treatment that I did called a stem cell transplant. That's where they separate your, your blood, they pile away and freeze a, a good stem cells. And generally those, those cells will last anywhere from three to five years before multiple myeloma comes back. And then you can run another uh, round of it and that will last a little bit less. Okay. Well, mine didn't last even a year, unfortunately. So I had to go into level two, went to level two. That's what I was uh, at the time, just, just now. There are two more levels before I can even try one of the new experimental type uh, treatments, which is called CTEL, uh, um, CARTEL, CAR-T, sorry. CAR-T, they change the DNA of the cell. They're able to do that to eradicate. This is just amazing stuff. This guy's so smart. I don't know how he gets all of these, but. So they, that, that's a level of, of, of another type of experimental treatment. Unfortunately, due to the nature of this particular cancer, when treatments no longer work, there's not, there's not more they can do. We've seen people last anywhere from two weeks to a year. And what they wind up doing is just providing them um, pain regulation so they can manage. It's a tough, it's a tough cancer. It really is. So that's where we stand. And yet, I can still say with certainty that all things are possible with God. Mark 10, Jesus says, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Another scripture verse that I, I, I hold dearly to, it gives me encouragement and excitement for what's to come. In 1 Peter 5, he says, and after you have suffered a, a little while, the God of all grace, that's my God, my Father, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Amen. Oh, what we have to look forward to, despite all the suffering and the pain that we, we experience on this earth, there is so much more to look forward to. doesn't mean it's going to be easy. or No, but boy, my God will restore me. He will strengthen me and establish me. Okay, one more thing before we move on to the morning's message. I've got another scheduled MRI for tomorrow morning. My oncologist said, look, we're going to go in and we're going to do radiation treatment on this particular L1 area. Might as well 
scan your spine again, see if there's any others. Let's, let's zap them all at the same time rather than do one and then do another and then do one and do another. So my prayer is that either they, they find everything that they need to find so we can do the radiation treatment or that they find no more and we can focus in on this one, one issue, one problem area. So that would be my prayer if you would keep that on your heart for me for tomorrow morning. All right. So now let's, let's go ahead and get now to the, the text. Habakkuk 3, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, if you've got a Bible. Let me pray first, and then I'll read the Word of God. So Heavenly Father, as we now dive into your, your truth, Lord, your, 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 your Word for us and how we are to live, Father, help us. Help us to obtain the insight and the love that you have for us through your word, Father God. Help us to gain knowledge of how to behave through suffering. How to understand our suffering. And how to understand you in our suffering, Father God. Lord, just, just help us with that. Help me to be um, um, clear so that my message, your message, Father God, will be received and accepted, and only because of the truth that is in your word, not in my words. So this is my prayer for them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's let me read the text. Habakkuk chapter 3, beginning in verse 17, the Word of God says this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive oil fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Now the text we just read seems to lead one to believe that the, the prophet Habakkuk was so, so righteous that nothing bothered him and he just accepted what, what most people would consider a dire situation. The fact that, he, that everything around him was falling apart, things were so bad it certainly would affect the way he lived, and yet despite all the calamity, all the hardship, all the suffering, he just ignored it all and said, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Now, if it happened that way, that would be highly commendable. I mean, I mean, who in their right mind just accepts suffering? <laughs> I used to think that I could. I don't. I don't anymore, for sure. I mean, Paul didn't. Even Jesus didn't. And you would consider them pretty high up there on the righteous persons list, right? 
I'm going to come back to Paul and Jesus and why they did not accept particular suffering. I'm going to come back to that. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But the truth of the matter is that in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2, he says this. He shows that, that he did question God. He says this, verse 2. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Sounds to me like he was questioning and charging God. How long shall I cry for help? Cry to you for violence and you don't save. You don't do anything. Where are you? That's pretty serious. It wasn't just, oh yeah, everything's going bad, okay. I'll just accept that and, you know, everything's hunky-dory. No. Who hasn't done that? Who hasn't, done, who hasn't said, Lord, what, what's going on here? I'm tired. I don't want this suffering anymore. I don't want to be in pain. That's natural for us to say that. If you read any of the Psalms, you would have noticed in your, for yourself that people call out all the time, where are you, Lord? How long will you hide your face from me? It's natural. We don't want to be in pain. Who wants to be in pain? I certainly don't. The title for my message this morning is In the Midst of Severe Suffering, Is It Wrong to Ask Why or How Long? Here's my goal. Here's my, my intention. My intention is this, this morning is to get us to a, a healthy understanding of what we believe and how we behave when we are suffering. Let me say that again. My intention this morning is to get us to a healthy understanding of what we believe and how we behave when we are suffering. Now, I used to think that because God is sovereign and because he loves me, I, I should just accept my circumstances and not complain. Accept my circumstances, not complain. Otherwise, I would come across as ungrateful for all that God has done in my life, regardless whether I think it's right or wrong. Look at him. He's ungrateful. He's, he's complaining. I thought he was a Christian. <laughs> How can I complain if what I believe is that what is waiting for me in heaven is an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison, 2 Corinthians 4, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, 1 Timothy 1. How can I complain if I've got those things waiting for me, looking forward to, to those wonderful, exciting times, those wonderful things? How can I be a complainer today if I've got that to look forward to? Again, explain it. Now, let me, let me clarify. 
my title includes the words, in the midst of severe suffering. Suffering that is certainly caused, causing a diminished way of life. You know, the types of suffering that makes it difficult to get up, get up out of bed, you know, or perform daily tasks, anything that prevents us from, from enjoying what we may consider just a normal life. Not the, suffering, not the suffering we might endure because we keep getting sick during cold and flu season. What, again, I'm sick? I got a runny nose? <laughs> How is that fair? <laughs> now, I'm, I'm talking about big-time disabilities, serious illnesses and suffering. I'm talking about, like, cancer, heart disease, severe traumas, these are things I feel like I'm qualified to talk about. Things I, I feel like I'm qualified to talk about. But I, I don't want you to tune me out if you're not in one of these categories. Because you're going to be needed for prayer, comfort, and understanding. We need everyone involved. Prayer, comfort, and understanding. We are, we are all involved, or better yet, we should all somehow be involved in the daily lives of our Christian brothers and sisters, and especially when it comes to the local church. Now, that can come in the form of direct communication. I'm talking about maybe one-on-ones. I've seen so many people sit with others in the church, listening to their, their struggles, their suffering, and then pray for them and, and give them counsel and guidance. We do this on Sunday mornings. We do this in discipleship groups. That's why it's so important that you attend to be a part of a local church that serves one another, that, that, that prays for one another, that, that comforts one another, that, that establishes a bond that we, we will not have if we weren't together, if we weren't expressing the love for one another. Or it could look like maybe through the prayer chain. Maybe you're not the type of person that, that, that works well one-on-one -on -one with people, but... Say you're on the, the prayer train and, and you hear about someone's uh, difficulties and you start to pray and then you start to think, okay, what can I do that can help this person? Besides just praying, maybe, maybe send them a, a bouquet of flowers or a nice little card, something to, to spruce them up. And I remember when I first had cancer, it snowed and I couldn't get out to, to shovel. And I hear some ruckus going on outside, and I look outside, and there's Bill Maxwell. He's slightly older than me, and he's out there bending his back and shoveling off snow. I, start, I lost it. I started crying. He didn't have to do that. He didn't tell anybody he was doing it. And he just came out and said, you know, I'm going to bless Dan. I'm going to shovel his sidewalk. Oh, what a blessing. Hebrews 10 says, let us consider. Let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Okay. So that's my intro. Let me begin. Now, let me, let, me, let me build my case. 
so that when we return to our text later this morning, we can join Habakkuk when he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. All right, point number one, God and our suffering. God and our suffering. Now, it's, it's, to begin, it's important to note that some truths about who God is in our suffering. It's important to note some truths about who God is in our suffering. First of all, he's sovereign. God is sovereign. Psalm 115.3 says, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. He is the creator of the universe. He is from the beginning to the end. There's nothing outside of him. He's in control of all things. He manages all things. He does all things. He is a sovereign God. Before time, there was God. After time, there will be only God. He's almighty. You look at Job 42 too. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. No purpose. God is almighty. In our suffering, God's will is displayed. We look at John 9, 3. This is where the disciples and Jesus had walked by a man who was blind. And the disciples asked Jesus, was it his, his sin or his parents' sin that caused him to be blind? And Jesus says to them, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus wound up taking some mud and putting it on his eyes and said, go, go wash your, your eyes and you will be healed. And he was. So, so it wasn't the fact that, that this guy was, had a problem. It was that God was going to use that particular problem in this particular situation to show that it is God who is sovereign, almighty, and his will is displayed. Mark had reminded me once, just recently, with regard to my own situation of not being healed yet, and, and yet still being able to minister to others, that, that one of the 12 disciples, I believe it was James the Lesser, during Jesus' ministry, this James was paralyzed and, and had to walk with a limp. And yet, when Jesus had sent them out to pray for the people, he was still without perfect form and, and health, and he was praying for others. We don't have to be in a perfect state of mind, body, and soul in order to sit with somebody and pray with them and say, look, look, God loves you, and let me, how can I, be, how can I serve you? How can I, how can I help you with comfort how can I help you to understand that, that God does love you, even despite the fact that you're in so much pain right now? God has specific purposes for what he does in and through suffering. And for, all, for this, all you have to do is look at Job 1 and 2. You know, God will be glorified. Satan came in, wanted to tear apart you know, one of, of God's uh, beautiful servants. And God said, you know what? Go ahead, do what you want. I, I'm, I'm going to be glorified through this. And he was. 
God uses all suffering and difficulty for redemptive ends. Listen to these scripture verses, Romans 8 and 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purposes. Verse 31, and, when, and then what, what then shall we say to these things? Is, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Verse 35, who, then, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No, verse 37, no, in all things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are secured in His hands, brothers and sisters. We have the love of God on our side. Who can be against us? We will be redeemed. We will be redeemed. When Christ returns and sets all things right, sickness and suffering will be no more. Revelation 21 tells us He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is Jesus going to give us this life, this heavenly life that we do not have here on earth because of the suffering, because we live in a fallen world. But Jesus is going to make it right. But even before Christ returns to make it all right, God delights in giving his children good gifts and hears their prayers. James 1, 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And then in Matthew 7, ask and you, and it will be given to you. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So these are some of the things we know to be true with regards to God and our suffering. These, these are biblical truths. I'm building a case. I'm building a case. Moving on. Point number two. In the midst of suf severe suffering, is it wrong to ask why or how long? Paul says to pray in all circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 
praying in all circumstances, not just, not just related to sin and suffering, but in all things, everything that, that's going well in your life. Rejoice in that. Praying continuously or without ceasing puts us in a position to communicate with God in a way where we have communion with God. We have communion with our Father. And so we know what He wants of us. We know what He expects of us. And we know that we can come to Him and ask Him for particular things. This is a relationship that we have. This is not just some pot of clay. No, I'm I'm a child of God. He wants to hear from me. He wants to communicate with me. He wants to dialogue with me. He wants wants to know that I am looking towards him and saying, Lord, help me in this situation. Lord, thank you for this particular situation. Another one of my most favorite verses, Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. We can't do that if we're not having a dialogue with Him every day, daily, without ceasing. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Beautiful, beautiful truth. Just this morning I read an article on Desiring God by one of their staff writers, um, Marshall Siegel, who talked about having hope in suffering. He said, we have hope, we can have hope in suffering. And he referenced uh, Romans 5 He said, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. This is from the Word of God. And and endurance produces character and character produces hope. But what he was pointing out was that we cannot build on hope in the midst of suffering unless we first have hope without the suffering. So, So having hope in what God can do in our lives prior to the suffering is necessary in order so that when we go into suffering, then we can then build from our suffering, through our suffering, the hope that we have in God that He loves us, He cares for us, He tends to us, our needs, He sees to us. There will be good coming out of this. And that gives us hope. We don't start without hope. We start with hope. James encourages prayer in times of trouble and happiness, but also specifically for healing from sickness. He says in in chapter 5, verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. We we can't have one without the other. We can't can't say, oh, I'm just going to pray for people that are sick. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to say, oh, well, I'm having a really good day today. No. Let us rejoice in what God does in our lives. The good, the bad, everything that, that involves our Father in heaven, God that, that loves us. Let us tell people about this.
He continues, If anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Do you know, I mean, I'm gonna, now I'm going to loop back to, to, to Paul just for a second. Paul in 2 Corinthians, he wanted the people to know his particular situation at that time about where they were at. Let me read verses 8 through 11. This is Paul calling upon the church. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. It was critical. They, scared for, they were scared for their lives. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He knew truth. He knew the truth of the Lord of God. He delivered us on uh, us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. And then the last verse, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So he was, he was letting people know we're in dire situation, scared for our, our lives, and I want you to pray. I'm calling you to pray. He wasn't ignoring the situation. He wouldn't say, yet I will just rejoice in the Lord. He wanted and he knew he needed help. And he got it from the saints. He asked for it. We can follow that example, asking for prayer. And then lastly, the parable of the persistent woman. This, this is a parable where, where um, Jesus is explaining to the disciples um, not to lose heart. He says in, in chapter 18, verse 1, he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. This, is, this was a woman who was going to the judge and saying, hey, I need relief. These, these men are bad. They're treating me poorly. Uh, please give me relief. And the judge didn't. And she came back and she kept coming back and she kept coming back. She said, I need relief. I need help. Finally, the judge said, you know what? I'm going to provide her relief. She's going to keep bugging me. So Jesus says, don't lose heart. Continue to ask God for help. For help in, in, in your situation. So sometimes maybe we need to ask or plead with God, Lord, help me to understand. Help me with my unbelief. I'm struggling. I, I don't want I don't want to be in pain anymore. I, help me to understand why, why do you have to, if, you, if your answer is I don't want to relay that to you, okay, fine, but let me ask. Help me with my unbelief. So no, it's, it's not wrong. It's not wrong to ask why or how long. So, so long, so long as it's absent of demand and distrust. When you ask God for help, don't ask demanding 
or with distrust in your heart. We get in trouble when we demand answers or we, we charge God with wrongdoing because we feel we don't deserve to be in the situation that we're in. You know, as if, as if God needed to accommodate all of our wishes and desires. That's wrong, wrong thinking. <laughs> be careful that God's not answering like he did Job in chapter 38. He says this, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Okay, so now let's move in a slightly different direction with regards to prayer. Point number three. What can we expect when we pray? What can we expect when we pray? Is healing dependent on our prayers? Is healing dependent on our prayers or, or in the faith we have to pray? Remember, Jesus said that if you had this, the faith of the size of a mustard seed, you could tell this mountain to move from here to there. If you believe. So why isn't that happening? Am I not, am I not believing? I want to believe. But that's a little bit misguided, though. So listen to this. When we pray, we must hold to two truths. Two truths. First, our prayers are effective. And God uses all our prayers for His purposes. James 5, 16 says, Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Not before. Prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. That means God is using that particular prayer. That particular situation, he is using it for good. So prayers are effective. God uses them. But second, and just as weighty, is that we must also remember that God is not bound by our prayers. God is not bound by our prayers. Even by those who are righteous, most holy, or even deserving. Here are two examples. Paul. Obviously, an amazing apostle, very righteous. He had a problem with a thorn in his flesh. Second Corinthians describes it, chapter 12. And three times he asked God to take away the pain and suffering. Three times. And what was God's answer? My grace is sufficient for you. 
for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's what was God's answer. Paul was saying, take this away. I'm tired. I don't want it anymore. And God says, my grace is sufficient. And then Jesus is in the garden. What? In the garden? What do you mean? When, when, did, he, when did he say, I don't like this? <laughs> Matthew 26. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus did not want this. You, you might, and you'll say, well, wait a minute. Jesus did go through the suffering. He died on the cross. Yes, true. Doesn't mean he wanted to go do that as much as, you know, he didn't want the pain of it. He, he understood the implication of of dying on the cross for our sins. He knew all of that, and yet he still asked, Lord, if it's all possible, let this cup pass. So now that we know what to expect, how do we pray? How do we pray? Point number four. Well, first of all, we can be confident that when we pray, we're acknowledging that, that we live in a fallen world and that sickness is not how it's supposed to be. We live in a fallen world. We, it's not the way it's supposed to be. Number two, praying for healing doesn't mean we are against God's will for us. But that we acknowledge that we want something different. Nothing wrong with that. Maybe relief from our pain and suffering. I'm tired. I'm exhausted of feeling the pain, of having to take painkillers in order just to, to get past the next hour. There's nothing wrong with that. We, we're only human. We, we get tired. Paul and Jesus prayed they wanted something different. But they submitted to God's. They submitted to God's glory, to his, his will for their lives. Number three, we're not, we're not commanded to pray unendingly, unendingly for healing or promise that we will receive the healing on this side of heaven if we do. You know, we, we pray, we don't pray where we're just, that's all we do. We're going to pray and pray and pray and pray until this is done. We're never told that in Scripture. At some point, Paul ceased his prayers. He said, his grace is sufficient. He will boast all the more gladly in his weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So he stopped asking and accepted 
God, God's plan for his life. We can rest assured that God will work through and in our sickness for his glory and our good. Whether he takes away the, the sickness or not, he's still working to display his glory, not ours. Number four, we can, we can know that prayer is not a game in which we try to figure out the right words to say or the right formula of faith plus correct requests to, make, to get what we want. No. We must humble ourselves before God, acknowledging that we trust in Him for our good. We trust in Him for our good. We can trust that if we're calling out to him, the God who works in all suffering will be with us and never leave us or forsake us. He goes before us. Deuteronomy 31.8. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. These truths help us to to see how we pray, what, we, what we're looking at, what, what we're up against, what aids us, what helps us to help others even. For those of you that are not suffering but are, are praying for others, how can I do this in a way that will help them, help me as well understand God's goodness? Even though maybe I don't see a, a healing or there's a change. So where have we been this morning? Where have we been? I hope we've learned that God is in our suffering. God is in our suffering. He, he is sovereign. He is almighty. His will is displayed in our suffering regardless of the outcome. He has a specific purpose for what he does in and through our suffering. And he uses all suffering and difficulty for redemptive ends, to, to bring us closer to himself. In the midst of suffering, it's not wrong to ask why or how long. Provided we're not demanding or distrusting of our creator, even Paul, even Jesus, asked for change to their circumstances regarding suffering. We can't expect that our prayers are effective and that God uses all our prayers for his purposes, but that God is not bound by our prayers. We cannot, and I, can, I cannot express this any more sternly. I've heard preachers, pastors say this, and it is wrong. We cannot, we cannot change the mind of a God who is unchangeable. If someone tells you, if you pray long enough, if you pray hard enough, you'll eventually change God's mind. That is not true. God is unchangeable. He has a plan. He is sovereign. He knows what he's doing. 
We don't change his mind. We don't change his plan because we're so good of a prayer warrior. No, it doesn't work that way. We've also learned this morning that praying is not some formula we can use to get our way around suffering. It's not some formula. God delights to hear our prayers because we're communicating with a heavenly Father who has sent His Son to die on the cross so that He can bring us to Him. Redemptive, you know, forgiven of all the sin that we caused and we, we did against God, a holy God. Okay. So now that I've built my case, what's next? I can start my sermon now. We can return to our text and very easily agree with Habakkuk when he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the, sal- in the God of my salvation. Not, not because our, our circumstances have changed, but because our understanding of what we believe and how we behave when we are suffering is based on the truth of his word. Nothing actually changed for Habakkuk when he said, yet I would rejoice in the Lord. Things were still really bad. But he understood that these things, being temporal, were minor or uh, insignificant when it came to his salvation in the Lord. Which is what we have, for certain, if we believe the same way. Now, I believe the same way regarding the cancer in my body, it's, it's insignificant compared to the salvation I have through Jesus Christ. My suffering is but a light, momentary affliction. So now the last point for this morning's message as the band can come up. Last point, yet I will rejoice. That's it. Nothing further needs to be said. I'm done. Yet I will rejoice. And here I have one more call. That is, keep praying for me. Keep praying for me and for others who are suffering. And then rejoice with them. Rejoice with me. Especially if they're a believer and have given their life to Jesus. Or if they haven't, then tell them first about salvation through Jesus Christ. And hopefully, they too will gain a better understanding of how to live with God in their suffering. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord. For, this, for your truth, it's so simple. Yeah, sometimes we don't understand. We, we, get, we get caught up in all the hype of, of what's going wrong in our lives when we're, we're we're disgruntled, we're unhappy, we're, we're this and we're that. Lord, just, just help us, Lord, with, with peace and understanding that you are for us. You are, 
you are loving us, even despite that we don't see maybe the, the change or the removal of pain and suffering, Father God, but just give us grace, Lord. So let us help us understand that, that, that your grace is sufficient. And then let us help others as well to enjoy your goodness, Lord, with the truth of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.